0: At the end of Megillus Esther, in chapter 9, Paraktes, verse 3, Apostle Gimel, we read the verse For Mordechai the Jew was viceroy to King Hachasveirosh, a leader to the Jews, and loved by the majority of his brethren. He sought the welfare of his people and spoke words of peace for all his descendants. Scholars of the Talmud comment on this verse and say, loved by most of his brethren, but not all, because some of the sages of the Sanhedrin parted ways with him. Brethren would, in this case, be a reference to those who served in the great assembly. Rashi explains that the reason some had separated or distanced themselves from Mordechai was because he neglected the study of Torah at the level that he had studied before by going into royal service. The Talmud then continues to say that the study of Torah is greater than saving lives, because we see that initially Mordechai was listed in the writings of the prophet Ezra after four other great Jewish leaders who came to the land of Israel. But at the end, he was listed as fifth in greatness in the book of Nehemiah. And the Gemara concludes with the words, due to his status as minister, his importance declined in the eyes of the sages. The way that this is explained, the idea that the study of terror is greater than saving lives, begs the question. The sages could have elucidated this lesson from the verse and words in the Megillah itself. The verse states clearly that Mordechai was loved by most of his brethren. And why is that? Because some of his members of the great assembly separated themselves from him, and the reason they did so was because he was involved in state affairs taking time away from his Torah study, and he did this to save the lives of his fellow Jews. It's all there. Why then does the Gemara extrapolate this lesson, changing the order of the teaching and explaining this, and from a different source, from two verses, in two different books in the Tanakh? The question is answered by some commentators, like the Rif who say, that from the wording in the Megillah, all we can really deduce is that the Sanhedrin considered the study of Torah more important than Mordechai saving lives. But there's no indication at all that heaven concurred with their opinion. And therefore, the Gemara quotes this teaching, where the Torah itself alludes to this with a message in reverse. The reasoning, however, is not quite clear. When looking at the literal words in the verse, the Pasuk tells us that Reiv Echav, the majority of his brothers, not just ordinary people, but among his brothers, the members of the Sanhedrin, there were those who separated from him. There were men whose very behavior were a halachic ruling in Torah. How then can we suggest that there is no proof that heaven concurred if that's the kind of people we are referring to? It's also difficult to understand why Mordechai's name is associated with the Sanhedrin at all, if the study of Torah and determination of Torah law is the task and mission of the Sanhedrin, and he was putting something ahead of that. Why is the consequence of his actions, which some disagreed with, just his demotion of one place to a lower status? It's quite clear in the verse that Mordechai's service as viceroy lasted a good number of years, during which time only a majority of his brethren were favorable towards him, but others had separated themselves. So which is it? Either Mordechai should have early on helped them to understand that his behavior was accepted according to Torah, or he should have left the employ of the king and once again found favor and acceptance in the eyes of his brethren in the Sanhedrin. The explanation for this can be understood from the word roiv, majority, only a minority of his brethren in the Sanhedrin distanced themselves from him. The majority did not. In other words, most of his brethren did agree with his actions and behavior. Based on the few who distanced themselves, there's no actual proof that the study of Torah is greater than saving a life. In fact, we could learn the exact opposite from this, in that most of the members of the Sanhedrin completely accepted Mordechai's path and thus were all of one mind. But this would present a different challenge. If most of the members of Sanhedrin agreed with Mordechai's actions, shouldn't their opinion have influenced the opinion of the few who didn't? And shouldn't their dissenting opinion then have become invalidated? Also, according to what did actually occur, the two teachings of the sages quoted in the Talmud, as one thought, that only a few of the Sanhedrin separated themselves from him, and that the study of Torah is greater than the savings of li- saving of lives are two negating statements. An additional detail in the above teaching of our sages will advance our general understanding of the events. When the sages teach that a small portion of the members of Sanhedrin disagreed with him. They separated. They are not saying that they censured him or sought to have him removed from the Sanhedrin. It wasn't an uprising against Mordechai or his actions. They simply had a different philosophy and path, but they did agree that his philosophy was wholly correct according to Torah. A story of the Rogachava Gun will facilitate a better understanding of this. After the previous le- Rebbe left Russia and arrived in Riga, he called a gathering of rabbis, lay leaders, and community leaders. The purpose was the welfare of the Jewish community left in Russia. The Ragachavar was among the attendees. The discussion at the gathering was to establish a committee that would gather from time to time to discuss what measures to take on behalf of the Russian Jews. The Raghatshavah was asked to participate in this committee, but he declined and explained that participating in this committee was dependent on a disagreement between the Babylonian and Jerusalem Talmud. What's the disagreement? In the Tractate of Brachas, the Gemara states, the earliest Hasidim would spend nine hours a day in prayer, including the time they spent preparing for prayer and the time they spent after in contemplation. The Gemara asks, in that case, how did they keep up their Torah study? How did they tend to their work? The Gemara then presents a response. As they were pious, their study of Torah was protected and their work was blessed. This same discussion is presented in the Jerusalem Talmud, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, but with a variation in the answer. Instead of it saying, because they were pious, their Torah study was protected and their work blessed, the answer in the Talmud Yerushalmi is worded as, because they were pious, their study and their work were endowed with blessing. The noted difference between their study, Torah study was guarded and their Torah study was endowed with blessing is that their Torah study guarded suggests that while their Torah study is not forgotten, they are not gaining in new Torah knowledge, other than what little they can learn when they're not involved in prayer. But the statement their Torah learning is endowed with blessing, as is written in the Jerusalem Talmud, means that not only do they not forget the Torah they study, but there is an injection of quick understanding that they acquire in the short amount of time they have to study, which would normally take them much longer to grasp. And this is the case here, concluded the Raghachavr. If I get involved in the committee, I will have to neglect time from Torah study. And according to the Yerushalmi, there will be a blessing in my study, but the law is in accordance with the Babylonian Talmud, which indicates that what I already know, I will not forget. There will be a loss, however, in any future Torah that I would have been able to study. And this he could not give up. It might be suggested that the explanation regarding the above difference of opinion in Bavli and Yerushalmi is actually based on the different methodologies of study of each as impacted by the geographical and spiritual location of each. The Babylonian Talmud is replete with argument and counter-argument, discussions going back and forth. As the Gemara describes it, he has made me dwell in darkness. This is the study of the Talmud of Babylon, studied in exile. It is as though one searches in the darkness. It is as though one who searches in the darkness would require much more effort and a lot of searching. Many questions must be asked and lots of research until the correct determination can be reached. But the Jerusalem Talmud is studied in a straightforward manner, and the right determination is found swiftly, like one who observes something in the light of day, influenced by the light of the Holy Land. And so the ensuing result must be that, accordingly, in the manner of study of the Babylonian Talmud, a short time spent by the early Hasidim in study would only ensure that one does not forget his learning, but would not bring the blessing of one's study, being blessed with rapid comprehension of new Torah studied, as that is just not concurrent with the style of the study of the Babylonian Talmud. But according to the philosophy and style of study of the Jerusalem Talmud, the study is endowed with blessing, and understanding would come immediately with no delay, in a direct manner where truth is seen and resolutions quickly reached. Accordingly, we can understand that the difference between the actions taken by Mordechai, acceptable by the majority of the Sanhedrin, and the minority of the Sanhedrin who had a different perspective an opinion is dependent on which side of the Bavli or Shalmi argument you're on. The great assembly chosen from the smaller regional Sanhedrin that judged from Jerusalem, or at least from within the land of Israel, were most likely, certainly the majority of them, of the study culture of the Jerusalem Talmud, particularly during the Mishnaic times and the era of the men of the great assembly." There were two at that time, as there were in the subsequent generations, sages who came from Babylonia, like Hillel, Rabbi Nussin of Babylonia, and others, some who had already been there for 70 years after being exiled from Jerusalem with Yechonia. And the men of the great assembly were of those who were taken captive and exiled by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, returning to Jerusalem in the first year of the reign of Kurish, 52 years later. They were the Torah scholars originally of Jerusalem who learned Torah in the Jerusalem manner. And therefore, Mardachai and most of the Sanhedrin held the opinion that he must take on the position of viceroy to save the Jewish people's lives. If you ask, so how did he take this on and remain part of the Sanhedrin, whose purpose was to teach the nation in the ways of Torah, the answer is that they were pious, Hasidim, whose Torah study was endowed with blessing. And so his Torah study would continue to be blessed, not only in remembering what was learned, but blessed in rapidly grasping Torah in whatever time Mordechai would have to study. Among the sages of the Sanhedrin, there were, however small, in number, a few sages whose style of study was like the style of the Babylonian Talmud, with lengthy discussion and give and take. And for them, giving time away from Torah study for saving lives would leave only the impact of the Torah being guarded, remembering and remembered when there would be time for Torah study, and not the opportunity to gain new Torah insight which was the obligation of the members of the assembly. And so there were the few who separated from Mordechai and from the majority of the Sanhedrin, as they had a different path, because they could not share Mordechai's path. Now, we said earlier that Mordechai's status was indeed demoted, even though according to the system of learning in the Jerusalem Talmud, his study was endowed with blessing, and thus, the increased knowledge with ease, and this was because he left the constancy, constancy of Torah study and entered into royal service. There is, after all, a special quality in the path of constant engagement in Torah, where Torah itself becomes one's craft, and nothing but nothing would come between a person and their Torah study. Even as he knows that his Taira study will be blessed. This then is what the sages mean when they teach that the study of Torah is greater than the saving of a life. There is a grandeur and greatness in one's total dedication to the study of Torah exclusively. And since Mordechai's greatness was diminished, his greatness was demoted among the sages, and instead of being listed as fourth, he is listed as fifth. Nevertheless, the majority of the Sanhedrin and Mordechai himself understood that he needed to become viceroy of Persia, even if some of his greatness in the study of Torah would be diminished for the purpose of saving Jewish lives, to seek the good of his people, to speak words of peace for all his descendants. There seems to be a challenge still, True, because his Torah learning was endowed with blessing, Mordechai would not be missing in acquiring Torah, and true, too, there is a great quality in saving Jewish lives, which would make Mordechai's demotion worthwhile, where Torah as his craft would no longer be the case, but how did he remain a member of the Sanhedrin when he was no longer functioning as the other members of the Sanhedrin, whose entire purpose was the study and teaching of Torah. To put it slightly differently, how is it possible that one who is a member of the Sanhedrin can be obligated to leave that purpose for the purpose of saving lives? The explanation for this can be found in a teaching in Tanna Duve'e Eliyahu, midrashic interpretation attributed to Elijah the prophet, which says, the great assembly were required to strengthen themselves with determination and travel from city to city teaching Israel. The law is that when the great assembly were exiled from their place where they sat in judgment in the temple, they were no longer allowed to pass judgment on matters of life and death. Going from city to city meant that there was a demotion in the strength of the Sanhedrin, yet they were obligated to travel from city to city and teach the nation. This tells us that the main task of the Sanhedrin is to teach the populace and thereby save them. They had to experience a demotion in order to do this task, to be the merit bearers of and to the nation. This explains our discussion as well through Mordechai taking the position of viceroy, his importance was diminished as a member of the assembly because he was lacking in the task of Torah being his craft, but this demotion was worth it even from the perspective of the Sanhedrin and what they were tasked with, because it was for the good of all. My father-in-law's leadership, says the Rebbe, was such that he had to steal time from his own time, during which he could have been learning and during which time he could have turned inwardly in his divine service and give that time away for the saving of lives and the needs of the community. He also demanded this of a significant group of his disciples, and chassidim, that they too should follow suit. He instituted for yeshiva students during their, during their time off between classes to give of their time teaching Torah and spreading Yiddishkeit. This kind of involvement with others ends up being a lot about what the needs of others are and less about the study of Torah itself. Time is spent in putting the effort into recruiting students for the yeshiva, organizing the physical space to learn, raising the necessary funds to cover all these expenses, etc. So even those who are assisting the Rebbe in this and their level is only one where the Torah is guarded. In other words, they won't forget what they know. They too have to give of their time, even when it means that there will be a lack of time for their Torah study, and possibly even for their personal divine service, all in order to help the community. Because the Rakhachavar's choice to not participate in the Committee for the Benefit of the Jews from Russia is only for a few special souls in each generation whose Torah is their craft, and their purpose is to like the few among the Sanhedrin whose level of service was to be consistent in their ongoing study of Torah. But for most, even for Torah scholars, the call of the hour is that Torah is not commonly one's craft, and once and once time is taken from Torah study, anyway, for other things, certainly this could be done for the sake of saving lives and for the greater good. Of course, regarding the previous Rebbe himself, who actually knows what and how much he did in this regard. In general, we have a teaching of the Bal Shem Tev, where he explains the verse in Yeshaya: "Kumi ari kiba ochveid Hashem." arise, shine, for your light has dawned. God's presence shines upon you. As that the leaders in Israel who put aside their own Torah study and service for communal needs, what indeed will be with their study, that there is a special blessing for them, that their Torah study and divine service will in no way be lacking. In fact, their light dawns as Hashem's presence is upon them, which is far and beyond their Torah being endowed with blessing. And this is the lesson we take from Mordechai's choice. Married with the explanation of the Baal on the teaching in the Mishnah, that one who reads the Megillah as though it is an obsolete and ancient story has not fulfilled his obligation to hear Megillah. The choice of Mordechai, the choices of Mordechai are demanded of us too, at least at some minuscule level of his great choices and actions, who became a viceroy in Persia so that he could oversee that things for the Jewish community would be good, even if it meant rejection by some of his colleagues, even if this choice takes one down a level in status, because you have to give up working on your own wholeness. It's worth his personal demotion for the good of the many. This is actually every individual story. The soul descends from a lofty place to a lowly one to take control of the physical body and of the animal soul and its corporeal existence and transform them into a dira b'tachtaynim, a dwelling for God below. And then comes marriage, where one becomes a master in his home, his wife, a mistress in of her home, involving themselves in In all matters necessary to make a home, because a person must give up on his personal needs to build a home, and it's then that God blesses them as a unit. This is the reason why there is equality in those who engage for the benefit of the community over those who make Taylor their livelihood, as we see that one who is involved communally doesn't stop for the reading of the Shema during his activities. But even though one's true involvement in communal needs is losing time to learn on his own and work on himself, but it's only through them and this loss that the needs of the community can be met. And if Mordechai was needed and obligated to save Jewish lives physically, clearly how much more so when it comes to saving Jewish souls. We must put aside our own search for personal wholeness to save a Jewish soul to speak up on behalf of our fellow Jews, until all Jews do tshuva, and immediately we all experience redemption. because of mamish soon Mamash.